Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to another episode of That's What People Do. We're back again. I'm James Kay and as always, Ryan McGowan. How are you, Ryan? I'm very good. I'm very good. How are you? I'm very good. Tired, I think. Just always tired. I've gone back to work and I haven't really... I've got back into the swing of it, but also I haven't got used to being constantly tired yet, so... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm just... I, I, I remember when we um when we worked at the Dungeon in London and you do like a... Well, remember, like it was like half terms and like summer peak and all this stuff, and you were just mm. constantly on your feet, just working, 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 working. And then as soon as that half term was over, everyone you you all get sick, like your body's just like, oh, I can relax now, and you get ill. Yeah, yeah, always the way. I'm waiting for it to happen. I haven't touched wood, got an ill so far, but it'll happen because I am always on my feet, and I'm doing like twenty thousand steps a day, and I'm just not meant for that. I like to sit, <laughs> but. This is the world I live in now. Talking of sitting, you sit in cars. And that's my segue in today's episode. Nice. Uh, so I've been mentioned, I think I've been teasing it for a few weeks, to be fair, that I was going to do Enzo Ferrari. It's been on the mind. And if you have been waiting for it, the wait is no more. You're here. You're listening to it. You've arrived at your destination. <laughs> this is Enzo Ferrari, an episode all about the man who created probably the most famous car brand of all time. Mm. So... Without much further ado, let's dive into him. Dive into him? That sounds weird. Let's dive into it. I'm really tired. I'm so sorry. <laughs> One of the most driven men of all time, if you'll pardon the pun. I'm going to start off with a bit of humour. I'm Love sure it. it's agreeable that Ferrari is one of, if not the most famous makers of car in the world, and everyone's familiar with the bright red cars. However, the man uh, who began making these cars was also a very interesting bloke. So even if you don't like cars, stick around, because he's got a pretty interesting life. A lot, a lot happens. Enzo Ferrari, cool name, 
was born in Medina in Italy in February 1898. His mother came from quite a wealthy family of landowners, whilst his father had his own mechanic workshop, supplying parts to national railways, because obviously cars at that point weren't really... They were there, sort of, but they weren't really a thing. Yeah. Enzo loved sports and wrote a piece on football, and then he decided he wanted to be an opera singer, which to me just screams stereotypical Italian. Yeah. So when you think of opera singer, you just think Italians. Yeah, I can just imagine like he's auditioning for his opera with like a, wearing a pizza as a hat and just like got spaghetti around his neck as a necklace. That is the most stereotypical Italian of all time. <laughs> yeah. That, I, yeah, I think that must be like one of the most racist things we've said on the show. Probably. Can you be racist against Italians? Probably. No, you can't be racist. It's not a. You can be xenophobic against Italians. Okay, it was the most xenophobic thing I think I've ever said on the show. <laughs> Wait until really we talk about French people. We've spoke about quite a few French people, to be fair. Yeah, we're going to get the Italians coming at us with complaints, and they're going to be directed to you. I have no beef with Italians. I think you're great. <laughs> Although you do eat too much meat and fish. But we'll. I don't want to go on a vegan rant today. I can't be asked. So, God. he went to the theatre, both to watch it and to take part and he fell in love both with the art form and the women involved he realised that a lot of the women in um, opera choirs opera shows whatever you may call them were very attractive and he wanted a piece of that so Brilliant. he was still like a teenager at this point by the way so he decided to get involved because he thought if he was there singing with them he would get some yeah he's so it's smart not, it's not a bad way of going about things to be honest with you it, it really isn't <laughs> Just go in as the kind, caring artist of all oh, the world. I'm so worldly. I'm, it's and so true. They lap it up. It's so true. Like you get, you see it in all these um, like American uh, school films. You know, like high school films and whatever. American Pie, the most famous one. He literally joins a, a choir to sleep with a girl. Exactly that, right? There's this stereotype that you know you, you see all these like lads or whatever that do like the arts or drama at school, and then like you get all the jocks and all the sports lot. When I was at school, you were called gay. And I'm like, listen, lad, I'm not being funny, but like, I'm about to get ready for the show, and we all like actors are some of the most weird like people ever. They just get naked in front of each other all the time. Yeah, I never got used to that. No, no, and it's like, dude, like, like, uh, if uh, I don't know, if you're talking blokey for a bit, it's like, dude, I've seen more girls than you've ever seen in your lifetime because all you see is like other lads just getting like <laughs> undressed after playing football. I've just done a mm. play where I got to kiss a girl. <laughs> exactly. That's why we all do it. For the women, he says. Yeah. yeah. Very <laughs> cripplingly alone. If that, there are any women what? out there, hit me up. I have my own yeah. podcast. Yeah. Although, to be fair, James, it, in the current climate, it's probably not good to say the reason I do performing arts is because I get to kiss girls. No, you shouldn't say that. I've, I've got my hands on my head thinking, that's an awful thing to say. There was a big movement against that, right? <laughs> <laughs> It's not good. It's not good. Uh, who's that? Noel Clark. Oh, God. No. Oh, yeah. To be fair, I've had a funny feeling about him for a very long time. He always comes across very standoffish. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. And, yeah, it it, it doesn't surprise me. What an asshole. Absolute but, asshole. But, yeah, anyway, when uh, when Enzo Ferrari was a kid, <laughs> that wasn't a, this a was thing. His, but this was, like, early 1900s, so there was no such thing as women empowerment in those days. No, women couldn't vote then. No. I don't know what it was like in Italy, but they were fascist at that point, so I don't think... Could anyone vote? I don't fucking know. Mm. I didn't really delve into the history of Italy. I did that too much with ancient Rome. I imagine it changed since then. Anyway, (laughs) Enzo loved racing around the streets on his roller skates and also his bike. 
He had a need for speed, as it were. He ah. enjoyed going fast. In 1908, Enzo was taken by his father, Alfredo, to a motor race, and Enzo became infatuated. Fast forward to 1915, World War One. In 1916, the world saw a horrible flu outbreak, can't speak, outbreak, which claimed the life of Enzo's brother and his father. The family business collapsed, and Enzo became the breadwinner from the family. However, he soon was drafted into the army. And it was his duty to tend to the donkeys and horses used to carry equipment up the Alpines. So he was kind of a mechanic just for livestock. All right, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he was he was he was in the transport industry, just not engines. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, you did not want to be in the Italian army during World War One. They were notoriously bad. Yeah, really bad. Um, and in 1918, Enzo was one of the first people to get Spanish flu which obviously I think we've all heard of nowadays because it oh, keeps yeah. being referred back to because it was kind of like the last major pandemic, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah. Luckily, because he was one of the first, he got his treatment and was discharged from the army and everything was cool. So yeah, he survived Spanish flu, not like millions and millions of other people. Oh, Who, literally. at the time, if you're anti-mask, just look at the fucking Spanish flu. They wore masks in 1918. No one's trying to control you. No one's trying to steal your fucking identity. They've been used for years, you fucking idiots. I say this because I work in a place where you have to wear masks and people just argue it all the time like they're God's gift to the fucking universe. Yeah. Wear your mask. It's not hard. It's not fucking hard. It doesn't reduce your oxygen. If you think that, you, you, you're a fucking... You're a cunt. Well, there's, you're been, just, you're, there's been loads of uh, uh, studies coming out with like doctors and whatnot running their own marathons wearing a mask. If it reduced oxygen, you wouldn't let surgeons operate on you with a mask on. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> It just you wouldn't happen. Just think, think a bit of critical thinking. I don't know why I've gone on a rant here, but even in plague times, they have masks. Yeah, they were scary as fuck, but they still had them. I'd argue they were cooler. But they were cooler. But I think um some bloke tried wearing one during lockdown, and people were like, "That's awful." Yeah. Because obviously it was a joke. Like that's awful. You can't scared do that. Scared them. Yeah. But I think I think it's hilarious. I'd put like peppermint at the end of mine. I think it'd be really nice. <laughs> yeah. So where was I? He moved back to Italy, to Turin. Enzo was denied a job with Fiat, a famous car brand still around today. Um, Fiat 500 girls are renowned <laughs> in the UK. I don't, I don't know if it's the same in like American stuff, but in the UK, and I imagine Italy as well, there is a Fiat 500 car, and every time you see a Fiat 500, it will be dr- being driven <laughs> by a girl in their mid-twenties. Yeah, yeah a, 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 a really petite white girl who's been, it's been bought by a dad. Yeah. The Fiat 500s in in England have a big connotations around them. It's, so I funny. I walked past a um like a it was just come pulling off a motorway and there was like a dip into like a, a ravine and I looked down there's loads of police tape and there's just a Fiat 500 down there and my initial reaction was reaction was just <laughs> typical like typical it had to be. I thought that was just like an Essex thing because I'm not joking, James. Every single girl in Essex their first car is a Fiat 500 and it's white. No. No, they uh, it happens here as well. I work with a couple of people, lovely people, absolutely lovely people, <laughs> and they have Fiat 500s. Clarify. But they themselves are self-professed, like they're basic. They've said it themselves, but they're not. They're really deep, in, like complex people. But I tease them regularly that their car is basic as fuck. Yeah, I love that. That's but then so I say funny. that from a position of I don't own a car, so I'm the loser here. Well, at least you don't have a Fiat 500. 
at least I don't have a Fiat 500. I've never seen a man drive a Fiat 500, ever. No, unless unless it's the Abarth version, which is a sporty version. Now, I quite like my mm. cars. So this may come out a bit during the episode. But yeah, get the Abarth version of the Fiat 500. Or he's like driving it for his daughter somewhere. Yeah, yeah. It, well, no, he's just delivering it to the uh, to the drive for her birthday with a big bow on it. Yeah. Fiat 500. Amazing. And Endo Ferrari was denied a job with this company. Cracking. He instead went to a much smaller company as a test driver and later a racing driver. And turns out he was pretty good and came in respectable places in local and national races. Yeah. So good, in fact, he was hired by Alfa Romeo, which I'm sure everyone's heard of. Still yeah. a car brand today. Yeah, Alfa Romeo. Not as big as it used to be, but I think it, it's still there. Oh, it's pretty cool. Like, uh, was it the Top Gear crew, or now the Grand Tour crew, Jeremy Clarkson says you cannot be a petrol head if you've never owned an Alfa Romeo. Mm. They are very famous cars. I think quite unreliable, if I remember. But yeah, nice. I've heard that that, that main, mainly Italian cars are quite unreliable. But God, Alfa Romeos are beautiful. Mm. He was driving. Are you ready for this? A six-liter engine, uh, which that's good, crazy. And in this car, he had a bad accident where he dodged some animals on the track and crashed off-road. Luckily, he was cool. During these years, he would win races and get more and more recognition, and with more and more recognition, all the VIPs who had big money would befriend him, including the Baraka family, and this is a fucking cool story. So, settle down. The Barakas had lost a son during World War I, who was a really good fighter pilot. During one dogfight, he downed some fighters from Stuttgart and decided to adopt the Stuttgart emblem as his own, a powerful black horse standing on its hind legs. And the, the Baraka family loved ferrari so much and because they'd lost their son they said why don't you take the emblem that he had on the side of his plane and put it on your cars oh. and this is the origin of the ferrari logo oh, wow. which i'm sure you can picture in your head is the black horse standing on its hind legs yeah porsche have the same oh do they mm, porsche have the same of course right oh that's amazing i did not know that yeah, I thought that was such a fascinating little story. That is a good story. I like that. That's heartwarming as well. Like yeah. they're like, look, that was our son's emblem. We want you to like carry it on. Mm, and now it's known all over the world, and it's because their son was fucking gr- really good in the air. I think he down like thirty four. So that other planes, they they almost like so the the Ferrari logo, like the prancing horse. That's not just like you know a company logo. That's like Enzo's actual like emblem. Yeah, that's him. When you see that prancing, so horse, he had that before, like the Ferrari brand even existed. Yeah, because I've seen I've seen pictures. Um, obviously, when I've been like trying to do some social media uh, pictures for this episode, I've seen him in uh, an Alfa Romeo with the prancing horse, like on the side of the car. Yeah, it's Enzo's logo. Oh, it looks so cool. Oh, I think that's amazing. Yeah, really cool. It's not just a, another brand. It's nice. It's got meaning behind it. Yeah. Uh, and Enzo was doing so well in these races that he was knighted by Mussolini himself. Oh, really? Didn't even know Mussolini had that power to knight people. Apparently he does. I didn't know they had knights. No, just knight of fascism, I guess. Well, no, uh, Mussolini's whole thing was he wanted to reinstate the Roman Empire, so maybe he, they're like some big gladiator or something now. Yeah, I'd like that. You are now a gladiator. That's awesome. A gladiator of italy or something the roman empire oh that's so much better than being a knight oh, a fucking gladiator yeah that'd be so cool 
1929, Scuderia Ferrari was founded as sort of a side project funded by Alfa Romeo, and it was ran by Enzo, obviously. Ferrari won 8 out of 22 races, and Enzo, at this point, 31 years old, married a woman called Laura, who enjoyed meddling with his cars and disapproving of him racing. Enzo's head was turned by a 19-year-old named Lena, who became his mistress. 1931 saw Enzo's last race, where he finished second. His wife Laura fell pregnant, and he realised he didn't want his child to be born without a father, because obviously he lost his father quite young and didn't want his child to go through that. So he packed in racing because it was far too dangerous. Oh god! Yeah. Enzo's son was born Alfredo, or Dino for short, and was born with a muscular disease that led to severe disability. And Enzo doted on his son and tried to make his life as easy as possible. But going back to the um, racing being dangerous, it's I think F1, even nowadays, is still the most dangerous sport on earth. Yeah, and that, like, even that, they've done so much to uh, make that sport safe. So, like, um, you see them when they crash and they do, like, mm. they're, they're, the cars do all these flips, right? You see all that stuff and yeah. debris just coming off the car. That's supposed to happen. Um, all of it's supposed to almost, like, immediately just, like, uh, dismantle and just come off the car. And all that should be left, really, is the canopy that the driver sat in. And apparently that's, like, the safest yeah. thing to be in because uh, if you've still got the mm. wheels and all that sort of stuff attached to the car that could then like get shunted into the canopy and like stab you through your legs yeah. and all that sort of stuff it's almost supposed, supposed to dismantle when it crashes um and even mm. then i love f1 at the minute oh it's brilliant isn't it i i i quite like um i quite like me i just i find it amazing how they can crash at what 150 200 miles an hour yeah and they can walk away it's scary isn't it like i when you're driving at like just a hundred and you think, oh, I'm going a bit fast, and you're like, they take that, they take a corner at a hundred mile an hour. Yeah, it's so. But then last season there was the crash of Grosjean. Did you see it? Where his car split in two and he went through a barrier yeah. and he was sitting in fire for quite a while. Yeah. And everyone was looking at it. The race was like flagged off. Everyone was looking at it going, he's dead. There was no possible way a human being can survive that. Because his car split in two, he went through a barrier. They didn't know if he'd been like decapitated, if he was like burning to death. Mm. And then all of a sudden, you just see this figure just appear out of a fireball, and he just gets out. Yeah. And it honestly, it's a miracle. And all, he had burns to his hands and to his feet, and that's, that's it. it. It's fucking crazy. That crash, what ten years ago, dead easy. Oh yeah, I mean all all the suits now are flame retardant, so they can withstand quite a mm. bit. But I think because that came from. Um, uh, is it N- Nicky Lauda, the um guy who used to work for uh, yeah, Mercedes? Yeah, Loud- he um he again his famous season against James Hill. Yeah. They were having a, f- a season against each other, and there was a race in Nurburgring in Germany, which is a notoriously dangerous track, and it was really pissing down with rain. Yeah. And Lauda wanted it called off because it was too dangerous. And James Hill was like, "No, no," and he got all the other drivers to say no as well. And then one driver, I think, like might have crashed before, and then the, there was a big crash on race day. And Lauda was like engulfed in flames and he had to get his lungs pumped of smoke. Everyone was like, his career's over. And then he made it back into the fucking car that season. I love that. So, and obviously, he's, he's, he was, he's obviously unfortunately passed away since. But um, yeah, even like up until a couple of years ago, he still just shows up for the track for Mercedes all the time with his hat on and like just like that entire yeah, side of his face. He was a big part in getting Lewis Hamilton to Mercedes. That's right, yeah. Um, there's a really good film about that with um, Chris Hemsworth and is it Chris Brule? Yeah, it's called um oh fuck what's it called? Uh, it's yeah. Rush. Rush, that's it. Great film. Hmm. And, and then you get Senna as well, who uh yeah, yeah, sadly and Senna. passed away. 
and a driver died on the day before him as well. It's one of them sports that no matter how good you are, you, there's a high chance you'll die. Oh god, yeah, just one wrong corner and that would be it. So it was yeah, it was so it, dangerous just then in like the the seventies, eighties, even today it's really dangerous. In in uh, Enzo's Ferrari's day, you didn't even have oh like, yeah, seat the cars belts. were still like they're just testing what the fuck a car is at that point. Yeah, it's just a fast go kart. Like I've sent Ryan a picture of Enzo in his uh in one of his racing cars, and oh god, yeah, he's, he's just sitting there with a massive steering wheel just out in the open. He's practically no sat door on it. Yeah, he's sat on yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> he's not even in it. It's it's fucking crazy. And like if we're honestly. if we're if we're honest, the 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 tires on the car are just big fat bicycle tires. They're bike wheels. Yeah it's absolutely mad how far the sport's come but mm. like fair fucking play to these pioneers who went through all that shit at the start to get it to where it is now oh god yeah where was i so this is where we see the first rivalry emerge with maserati who opened up a workshop in bologna and medina very close to ferrari's base maserati stole ferrari's best driver a man called nivellari and mm. maserati seemed almost unbeatable Hay would turn up at Ferrari's HQ as a joke that they ran on donkey power instead of horsepower. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> it became like a massive war. Because we see that, obviously, in Formula 1 nowadays, we see rivalries between uh, manufacturers. Um, mm. Ferrari at the minute is like not as good as it should be, but it, it's, there's a lot of beef there, a lot of beef. Enzo and Alfa Romeo took to work in producing cars to beat Maserati, and they did a bloody good job, and Alfa Romeo officially absorbed Scuderia Ferrari. However, in 1939, Enzo quit Alfa Romeo and signed a contract stating he would no longer use the name Ferrari for any car-related business. He started a company called AAC, and it didn't really go very well, and his cars couldn't really keep up. However, at this point, World War II kicked off, which seems to be a running thing in our episodes. Like, people <laughs> are living a life, then all of a sudden, World War II. Yeah. Uh, he, well, obviously in World War Two, all car manufacturers were expected to help the war effort, and generally those running it wouldn't have had to go and fight themselves. So Enzo didn't have to go and fight; he was just the leader of a, a manufacturer who was helping the war effort. Mm. And the war was weird for Italy. I won't go into the history of World War Two because I think we've done it too much. But obviously, they kind of surrendered pretty early. Mussolini was ousted, and Northern Italy became a battleground for different political and relig- uh, religious groups to rise up. And the communists really did not like Ferrari due to him generally supporting fascists. And therefore, he had to pay the communist Jews for owning the land. In 1944, however, the communists had enough of Enzo and issued him with a death sentence. A man who was charged with collecting the money from Enzo went to get him to kill him. And Enzo seemed just really in a bad way, but he wasn't scared. Apparently, he was just really fucking pissed off that this was happening. Because he was like, I just want to make cars. That's all I want to do. Like, this is fucking annoying. And they thought, okay. So they came up with a compromise. If Enzo could donate 500,000 lira, which is $600,000 in today's money, they'd let him live. They gave him 12 days to get this, and he got it. So he bought his freedom. I wonder how he got it. He became very... Sorry? I wonder how he got it. Oh, Christ knows. He must have taken out all the loans in the world, sold things... He also became very useful and would often hide communist documents and at one point smuggled out a mayor in his car. He was basically a driver for the resistance. So oh. the mayor was a fascist mayor, but he was a double agent for the resistance and Enzo would drive him back and forth. Wow. 
if he got caught, he would have been killed. Yeah. Well, good job he's a quick driver, isn't it? Yeah, you can't catch him. <laughs> you can't catch him. Ferrari's factory was bombed twice by the Allies during the war. Yeah, no, fair enough. I mean, like, uh, when you mentioned about how uh, car manufacturers were there to, like, help the war effort, you you mentioned earlier about um, Porsche. Porsche famously yeah. uh, helping to make the Tiger tank and uh, mm-hmm. the VW uh, Beetle. Yeah, if we get into all the companies that helped, specifically the Nazis, there's fucking loads of them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think um, VW was there, Volkswagen was a huge one. I think uh, when we met... Um, Hitler really liked cars as well. Hitler was a big car man. Mercedes, I think, was involved. Hitler liked Mercedes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he had, like, the six-wheel Mercedes, didn't he? Mm, um, big and, fan. And so, yeah, they used to, like, offer him cars and stuff. But, yeah, he was the one that came up with the Volkswagen, the people's car. Um, and then yeah. it was like, I want Ferdinand Porsche. You're going to make this. He's like, okay, I'm going to make this for you. And then obviously... Yeah, you don't have a choice at that point, yeah, do you? Yeah, well, so Porsche was making tanks as well. Um, but I, I I think we mentioned, I'm not sure if we did or not, and when we talked about Mengele, like way, way back, mm. um, check out Mengele, we've got two parts on that. Um, his, family's, his family had like a tractor company or something, and yeah, they, yeah, they yeah. still make stuff now. Yeah, you can still get like gardening supplies and uh, land supplies from I think it's Mengler and Sons or something. Yeah, yeah, that's fucking mental, isn't it? You're like, oh, what's that? Oh, it's just I've got a Mengler in the garden. This bloke is one of the worst war criminals ever, and you can fucking buy things from his family's company, Mad. which funded his escape, by the way, yeah. and like sent him money in Argentina. Yeah, they're not innocent. No, no. Good God, it's cra- oh, I, 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 th- I don't know if we spoke about it before, but um, obviously Hugo Boss designed the Nazi uniforms. Allianz Insurance gave Auschwitz building insurance and gave the guards life insurance. Oh, seriously? Yeah, um, Fanta was a product of Nazi Germany. That was because uh, the Americans had like a, a trade uh, ban on Germany, and Germany was a big uh, Coca-Cola fan. They loved Coca-Cola. Mm. And then when they were banned, when Coca-Cola was banned, obviously they couldn't tra- they couldn't import it into the country. Uh, then they had to try and make something else, and that's how they made um, Fanta. Yeah, and I think Fanta's better. So yeah, I would say so. I'm not going to give the Nazis credit, but I like Fanta. <laughs> but yeah, there's loads of stories like that mm. of things coming out of war companies. Uh, the company I forget what they called, but the company that made the gas to go into the gas chambers in the Holocaust. They still operate now. Brilliant. I love that. With fucking what? How? I think they make rat poison or things like that. They still operate now. You can fund this company. Amazing. It's mental. I'm sure at one point as well we'll do episodes on all the Nazi scientists that basically put a man on the moon for America. Oh, right. Yep, yep, yep. Because, because without the Nazi scientists, America would not have landed on the moon. They just went and went, we'll take you, you, you're smart, you're smart. We'll absorb you of Everything, everything you've done will absolve you. Like no issue, no worries. Just come and work for us. Operation Paperclip. Yeah, it's fucking. Oh, I don't know if it's, it's not ethical at the very least. Yeah, fair. I suppose you got to do what you got to do, haven't you? So, Ferrari. Let's about Nazis. Nazis come up a lot after the war. Uh, do you remember his mistress Lena? Yep. He had a child with her. And he also reclaimed the name Ferrari and became uh, became a manufacturer under that name. 
He'd have a lot of success in future Grand Prix due to his ingenious engines, and he soon began beating Alfa Romeo fairly comf- uh, comfortably. In 1949, they would win 30 competitions out of the 49 they were taking part in. Bloody hell. So th- they were fucking dominating. Yeah. In 1950, we see the first ever Formula One race in Silverstone, England. Great track. Ferrari, however, didn't take part. He didn't think they were ready. He wanted to go in when he knew they would win. Fair enough. Which seems reasonable. Ferrari, however, at this point, had really pissed off Alfa Romeo, and they pissed them off so much they couldn't keep up anymore. So Alfa Romeo declared there would not be a racing team anymore and just fully threw in the towel. Holy shit. They they (laughs) just couldn't beat Ferrari. Imagine being that good that the other team is just like, nah, do you know what? I'm not worth it. Can't be arsed. Especially your old employers. Yeah, that's the best bit. I, I think it's just wonderful. Just wonderful. Everyone's got those images in their head. I don't know where you work, whether you enjoy your job, you don't enjoy your job, of just doing something so great that you, one day you can go back to your old managers and be like, look what I've done. Mm. Look yeah. how great I am. I have, this is so weird, but I have um, sometimes think about it. If I like had enough money, I would buy the company me and Ryan used to work for. Uh, I can't say it for reasons because I still technically work for them. I don't badmouth them. And I would I would uh, buy it and I would go to our old managers and I would just be so fucking smug. <laughs> I would be I, I would just sit in the office and just watch them do their job and just be really smug. <laughs> Not even say anything. Just sit there. Yeah. And occasionally just pipe up with a what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. That's the worst thing a manager can ask you is what are you mm. doing? And you're because like, the amount oh. of fucking times I've been asked that question <laughs> and they uh. best come back with a bloody good answer. Yeah. What what are you doing? Um and you know you doing you were doing something productive. Like there's no reason to ask me anything. There's no reason to be uncomfortable by this question. But the fact that you've asked, I now feel really uncomfortable and I now don't know what I'm doing. Mm. Because sometimes I'd walk into that office and nothing was going on. Yeah. They just yeah. sit there. I once saw the big boss. I won't mention names. The big boss during the World <laughs> Cup just sitting there watching football, and I thought I want to sit there watching football, but I can't. I I did watch football during my shows, so. I'm not, oh I'm yeah, same. I would get my phone out, especially on Judge, just have it leaning and watch football. That, that I remember when Germany place. got knocked out of the World Cup, and a German school group came through, and obviously they uh, hadn't realised yet, so I told them. I remember you telling me on the day it happened. Honestly, so great, so great. I don't know if they understood English, but they look sad. I just, I was the one that killed their dreams. <laughs> Hilarious. Where was I? Enough about me buying a multi-billion-pound company. Billion, hundred million, nah, million. You need a lot of money. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? Right. 
For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Where was I? I'll do this thing. I've said it before. I need to highlight as I go. So yeah. he, Alfa Romeo, gone. Bosh. Fuck off. Ferrari would dominate the F1 during the early 50s, and this meant that his regular road legal cars were very sought after, because obviously if you see a car dominating um, Formula 1 races and all of that, you're, you're going to want to buy it, you're going to want a piece of that action. Oh yeah, you want you want that car. It's, it's a mm. statement. Because, but then I say that, I look at F1, and I, don't, I'd, I wouldn't turn down a Ferrari, don't get me wrong, but I wouldn't Oh, Aston Martin's a team now, though, and I'd love an Aston Martin. I think that's my dream car. We'll get onto this at the end. I was going to ask you, like, dream cars and stuff, so think about that. Okay. Oh, oh, no, I've, I've got, like, a three or four, but I'd love a McLaren. I'd definitely take a McLaren. There's a Mac- Right, okay. So, a good friend of mine, uh, there's a McLaren dealership right by her house. And, Wait. honestly, sometimes I will just go and stare into the window. Yeah. And I'll just look at these cars and think, fuck, how, where do I have to be in my life to purchase one of these? Because you very rarely see a McLaren on the road. In, in fact, I don't think I ever have. Uh, I have, but yeah, you're right. They're so ver- they're very rare. They're inc- beautiful, beautiful cars. They're stunning. But the thing is, one of them that I'll be scared to drive it. I wouldn't want it to get wet. I wouldn't want it to get dirty. I'd just live in the garage and look at it. Yeah. <laughs> nice cars so yeah we'll get on to favorite cars at the end mm. in 1956 he lost his son dino at the age of 24 he obviously had the um muscular diseases oh, and this sad. would change enzo he became very short-tempered and quite introverted and he'd never remove his sunglasses in public so if you see a picture of old enzo ferrari he'll be wearing his glasses oh do you know what uh, and this was because he was in mourning every to every time now uh, as I mentioned earlier, right, when I've been trying to do, like, the socials, uh, finding pictures of the guys that we talk about, so now I can post them on social media and whatnot, I cannot find a picture of Enzo Ferrari without glasses on. And I found it so infuriating. I'm like, why does this guy yeah. never take off his glasses? And now I know. Yeah. In the early days, obviously, there's a... He doesn't, but, yeah, during his older older days. That's really sad. Always wearing glasses. And he stopped going to the theatre, he stopped attending races, he just really fell in on himself. Oh, wow. He became a bit of a recluse. Oh. Uh, and in later life, he admitted to, uh, I think as a journalist, that he went up to a cliff with Dino shortly before he died, and he really contemplated just hugging him and jumping off a cliff together. Oh, wow. Yeah, but the only reason he didn't is because he had his other son. That's incredible. Like, he really loved that yeah. boy. Oh, yeah, he doted on him, absolutely doted on him, because um, Dino would help him in the garages. He was a really handy mechanic, so he was heavily involved in the business as well. Oh, bless. That's such a shame. Yeah, and this turned Enzo into a bit of a dictator, apparently, at work. He was uh, became a bit of a nightmare boss. Oh, bless. Yeah, but with good reason, with good reason. Enzo's wife, Laura, enjoyed meddling in Ferrari's business, and this pissed off his managers, and they threatened to leave if Laura wasn't removed. Instead, one manager was removed from his position and many others walked out in protest. Around this same time, Ferrari was getting quite a lot of bad press, particularly because his cars were seen to be unsafe at races, claiming the lives of quite a few drivers. Uh, One of them took place in Monza, which is 
probably the main racing track in Italy, mm. where a bad crash happened. It claimed the life of a Ferrari driver and 14 spectators. Damn. Because this is back in the time where spectators could just stand on the fucking side of the track. If you go back to even like, I want to say 1980s, maybe 1990s, the photographers, you know, on like in Formula One track, you have grass surrounding the track yeah. on certain bits. They'd just lie there on the grass next to the track. If a car goes off that track, you're dead. Oh, right. They would just lie there taking pictures. That's what freaks me out about rally. Yeah, they're so close. They still do it now in rallying. There's a photographer. If a car goes into you, that's it. The photographer is literally in the middle of the dirt track that this car is hurtling down towards you. And they're still standing there, like, mm. taking pictures. And you see him, like, there's about, I don't know, 30, 40 people all in the track just, like, looking at this car come towards them at, like, you know, 70 mile an hour on a dirt road with hardly any mm. traction. And then they all disperse as the car comes so close to them. You think, how is that still allowed? It's crazy. All it's going to take one big accident uh, for that to be cancelled. Yeah. Yeah, shock him. But yeah, claimed the life of 14 spectators, so he was under a lot of trouble. And on uh, one day, a humble tractor driver came to get his tractor repaired at one of Enzo's workshops, and Enzo happened to be there. And he attempted to give Enzo some advice on how they could make their clutches better. And obviously, being quite a proud man, Enzo was just like, what? So he told him, to leave the cars to him, and he should go back to his tractors. So the guy kind of took this as a personal challenge. Oh. So he went away and gathered a large team of engineers, and they realised that Ferrari was using the same clutches as their tractors, but with a much higher cost. Yeah. So the engineers and the, the tractor driver realised they could make a shit ton of money selling overpriced parts if they were in sports cars, and the driver tractor's name was Lamborghini. Yeah. One. This is how Lamborghini started, because Ferrari pissed him off. Oh, I love that. It's one of my favourite car brands. Oh, Lamborghini is amazing. They've got, is it the, the Bull is there? Yeah, the logo. Branson Bull or something. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah, Lamborghinis are such nice cars. Whenever you see one out and about, your head will turn. Yeah, I mean, that's the whole point of them, isn't it? And and it seems even at the beginning, he's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to start making like just stupidly overpriced cars that look cool. Yeah, just to make money, because it's the same parts, but because it looks cool, you can sell it for 10 times. Yeah, that's so good. I love a Lambo. Yeah, obviously uh, Lamborghini doesn't really take part in races, no. um, but in terms of road cars, it's quite a big competitor for, for uh, Ferrari. Mm-hmm. So, this is where I got my inspiration for this episode, the Le Mans 24-hour races. If you haven't already, watch... Um, Le Mans 66, I believe it's called, uh, with Christian Bale and Matt Damon. Really good film. Really good film. It's about Ford versus Ferrari, which we'll get onto a bit now. And these races, Le Mans 24-hour races, are exactly what they say on the tin. It's a race that lasts for 24 hours, and the uh, the drivers will just keep swapping. They'll pull in. They'll repair the cars. It won't be like a Formula 1 pit stop in 66. You'd go there, and people would come out and take a lot of time over the cars, and the drivers would go off and have a nap and other drivers would hop in. That's generally how they work. Mm. And Le Mans races go on now. Yeah, they're really um, cool. Really cool. I don't know how people... I've, honestly, it takes so much work. But but yeah. Around this time, Ford was losing a shit ton of money, and they needed a way of getting sales back on track. So they approached Ferrari for a partnership, uh, but Ferrari wanted to keep like the sole... He wanted to be the head honcho, and, they can't, and he realised he wasn't going to get that, so he eventually told Ford to fuck off, and this really pissed... Uh, Henry Ford the second off Henry Ford's son yeah we'll probably do an episode on Henry Ford at some point as well because he's like the godfather of affordable cars 
Um, and Ford realised if they could win Le Mans, then they would have the world interested in their cars again, and also they'd be able to get one over Ferrari. However, it's very important to recognise at this point, Ferrari don't lose Le Mans races. They dominate every year. Without fail, they'll beat everyone. Mm. So it's quite a big challenge to undertake, and Ferrari wasn't worried. Ford hired Carroll Shelby, a renowned driver and engineer, oh, yeah. and Ken Miles with the same accolades. Shelby, which you might know because there's the Shelby cars yeah. out, uh, was the name people knew. And Miles was sort of the wild card, and he would be the one doing the driving, while Carroll Shelby would be uh, the head of it all, the Shelby Ford company. Yeah. And he, uh, Ken Miles was fucking good. However, Ford didn't like Miles because he was a wild card. He would say what he wanted. If the car was shit, he would go up to like the owners of Ford and say, your car is shit, <laughs> let me do this. Uh, yeah. And they, they hated that. They really didn't like it. So they tried to get him out. But obviously, Carroll Shelby knew that this is the man for the job because he would just get in a car and tell you as is. He's one of these people that can get in a car, turn it on, and tell you exactly what's wrong with it. Oh, yeah, I, it reminds me of um, in the film Rush when uh, Nicky Loud, yeah. Loud is the, is suppo- like gets in the car with that lady. There's a scene he gets he's in the car with a woman and he's like, oh yeah, your, your uh, front right brakes are, are not. You need them changing or something. She's like, how can you tell mm. that? He just just knows like he's just getting a car and just feels it all. I love that. It's so cool. I don't know if this is made up or if it's true, but I think Nicky Lauda is one of the only people that told Enzo Ferrari why his car was bad and Enzo listened. No, that's so good. Cause I, th- I think, yeah, I'm pretty sure I might have made that up, but I know that Lauda had some problems with Ferrari and they kind of just changed the car because I'm his say-so. I find that crazy that people can get into cars and just know what's wrong because obviously nowadays you get into a car and all these warning lights pop up and you just sit there crying because you don't know what's happening. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? It's like... It's like with with then you say mentioned Carol Shelby, obviously um, famous now the Shelby Mustang. Yeah. Um, and apparently, like Carol Shelby was someone who'd like he just looks at an engine, and just like almost can like smell what's wrong with it. Yeah. I love it. I love people yeah, that just love petrolis. cars. Yeah, I, this petrolis. is the thing. I really like cars, but I've never been in a position to buy one myself. I passed my uh, test seven years ago now, mm. and I just. For one reason or other, just never had one. So I'm one day I will. Yeah, no, I I adore cars. I, I've I've watched Top Gear since I was like ten. <laughs> yeah, I used to watch every Sunday night with my parents. Yeah, even Grand Tour now. I I adore cars, and my cousin's a mechanic, yeah. and me and him will just sit there and just go in his car, and he's doing it up or you know looking at mine, and oh, it's brilliant. Absolutely, I yeah. I, I, lo- I live for it. Yeah, the cars are cool. They are cool. So. They were Ford wanted Miles out, um, so they didn't take him to their first Le Mans outing, which they lost. So the car came back, and they agreed that okay, so Miles can come in and and do this. So Shelby became Ford Shelby, kind of a sister team to Ford. So you had the main Ford team, then you had it's still Ford, but Shelby was overseeing it. It's kind of like in um, Formula One nowadays. You've got Red Bull, and then Alpha Tauri, which is still Red Bull, just a different team owned by the same people uh, yeah yeah and in 1966 they took their ford gt40 mark one to le mans 66 if you haven't looked at a ford gt before look at a ford gt because those cars are fit and in le mans 66 they fucked ferrari up they pl- uh, they placed first second and third all the fords and Ken Miles oh, yeah. was miles, if you pardon the pun, ahead of the others. <laughs> However, to get a picture of what they wanted is they wanted all three Fords to cross the line together. 
So they force they Miles to slow down. And because of the way Le Mans starts, they don't all start in a row. They have to run to their cars and they yeah. start like staggered times. And because of this, Ken Miles didn't win. But everyone knows Ken Miles won that race, but he didn't win. Uh, so that was kind of shit for him. And Miles said, yeah, well, I'll come back next year. I'll dominate everyone again. No problem. However, he died soon after 66 in an accident testing a new car. Ah, oh, that sucks, man. That, yeah. These people, like you mentioned it before, really were. These guys are pioneers in the motoring. Yeah, for sure. They And racing. I want to say they walked so we could run, but they ran so we could go to the shop. Literally, yes. Right. So that we could just, you know, pop to the pop to the shop. Yeah. Because it's, it's the same that. planes and stuff as well. That all every form of transport at some point, someone's just had to have been like, Fuck it, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a go. Oh yeah. Yeah. And without those people that just went, Fuck it, um, you you probably wouldn't have it as it is now. No. Um no. I love that. And I, I, I think I is it the G T forty is the sixty six Le Mans car, isn't it? It's yeah. called the G T forty. And I think the forty is because it was forty inches high. Yeah, yeah, it is exactly that. Like people people have televisions that if you stuck stood it on its side is taller than that car. Yeah. I couldn't get it, in it. Honestly, when I was younger, I don't know why I was I loved four GTs and I declared it as the car that I've always wanted. So when I'm rich I probably will get one. But Honestly, really, really nice cars. And in 1967, Ford won again. And in fact, Ferrari has not won a Le Mans race since. Oh, really? Yeah, that was that. For them, unfortunately, wow. Ford kind of took over. Um, however, Ferrari was still great in Formula One, which is probably the biggest racing, I don't know what the word is, calendar of the year. Yeah. I'm sure Americans will disagree. I'm sure they said NASCAR or whatever, but I think in terms of the world, Formula One is the one you want to be dominating. Oh yeah. And Ferrari yeah, needed investment, so they turned to Fiat, the first people who turned down Ferrari for a job when he was a young boy or man, uh, and they gave them two billion liras in exchange for fifty percent of Ferrari's shares, and they wanted all of Ferrari's engines designs. Ferrari was fine with the day-to-day being run by Fiat. He didn't really give a shit about the sales of the cars because all he gave a crap about was racing. He always said that all he wanted to do was create a good racing team and good racing cars and everything else that came with it is kind of just collateral. Mm. He he knew that he had to sell road cars to fund his business, but he didn't give a shit. He didn't care. He put all of his time into F1 and collected many victories and successfully secured the accolade as one of, if not the most successful racing team of all time. Because obviously... If you think of racing drivers that come to mind now, most people say Michael Schumacher, and he was famous for Ferrari. Um, yeah. Senna, I believe, was McLaren, I want to say. I might be wrong. I, I I think so, yeah. I don't know. I might be wrong on that. Louder, I think, was Ferrari. But yeah, yeah lots, Ferrari. Of, lots of famous Ferrari drivers. Mm. In his 80s, Enzo started to slow down and was awarded many awards in Italy for his services to his country and to his sport. And when his wife, Laura, passed away, Enzo could actually give his son, Piero, who he had with his mistress, the surname Ferrari. He could recognise him as his son. And he was put onto the board of directors at Ferrari, and eventually he took over from his father. The last car to be made under Enzo's watch was the Ferrari F40, which I've sent Ryan a picture of, which is probably the most famous Ferrari, and in my personal opinion, one of the greatest cars of all time. It's pretty sweet, yeah. It's just... Basically, if you don't know what we're thinking of, think of um, 
Hot Wheels. If ever you've had a Hot Wheels Ferrari, that's an F40. I, I was literally about to say Hot Wheels car is what comes to mind when you look at it. Yeah, that it was designed it, off the F40. It's such a nice car. It's so fun. So, yes. On August 14th, 1988, Enzo passed away. Ah. Uh, and he is survived by his son, Piero. And this is where I... Um, sent Ryan another picture that's quite funny if you know the footballer Mesut Ertzil who is a German footballer currently plays Fenerbahce but he's won a World Cup he played for Madrid and Arsenal he looks exactly like Enzo Ferrari like it's ah. scary and they both have distinctive features of big eyes and facial yeah. shape same hair uh, Mesut Ertzil was born two months after Enzo passed away so I don't eerie. want to say it's like reincarnation, but Christ, <laughs> they look exact. No shape. Yeah. It's, oh, yeah. it's the eyes mainly. It's the eyes, isn't it? It is the eyes. They have distinctive Fa- eyes. Think fish eyes. Yeah, they're famous for their eyes, aren't they? Uh, Mesut Ozil especially yeah. is famous for his eyes. Uh, famously, his eyes are offside. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this is um, young Ferrari. Obviously, you can't really see his eyes behind his sunglasses. No, no, of course. Um, I love that. And then uh, next to it, James, we've got a picture of uh, the Ferrari Enzo, which was created yeah. and named after him. It was supposed to be their, like, uh, was it Pièce de Résistance, like their mm. amazing car, and they've they've named it after its owner. And I like that. And I think yeah. it looks awesome. The Enzo Ferrari. I remember when I first saw the Enzo Ferrari uh, mm. as a kid, the Ferrari Enzo, and I was like, that looks so cool. It's such a cool-looking car. They are just Ferraris are just really, they're just really, really nice cars. Poster boy stuff, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. If you had the money, like my dad always says, if you had the money, you wouldn't buy a Ferrari, but I probably would just to say you've got a Ferrari. Oh, yeah, just to say you've got it, 100%. Just to say you've got it. Do you remember um, when you were younger, you used to get like these posters of like art cars? And they had like massive fat wheels and they were like all crunched in on each other. It's like really artistic looking. Do you remember that? No. Oh, I used to get these posters and it's just like really, really cool looking cars, like famous ones like Lamborghinis and Porsches and they're all like, the art style was like, they're all small, crunched up and they had massive mm. wheels on them and they just looked the bomb and I remember like seeing some Ferraris on there as well. I was like, oh, that looks so cool in their famous red. Eh. Yeah, the bright red. So, what's your top cars? Okay, so I'm a massive Porsche fan. Really? Yeah, I'm a big Porsche fan. I've n- never seen the appeal of, of Porsches myself. Uh, I, I cannot really tell you why, uh, but apart from the Boxster, I've never looked yeah, at a Porsche and gone, I don't like that. Every single one that's of fair. them, I'm like, that's nice. I they're like very that. like nippy little cars. Oh, there's just, yeah, there's, it's one of those, like, there's a thing about like German cars and like, like famously German engineering, right? Everything yeah, about it as well. is so reliable and it just looks good. And it's kind of understated, but you know that would beat you in a race. So I like that mm. understatedness. But then on the flip side, uh, that's why I really like Lamborghinis because they are the flamboyant, just like I have a Lamborghini yeah. and you're all going to know as I drive down the road. Everyone stops and yeah. looks. That's a very look at me car. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then, uh, <laughs> so yeah, uh, the Lamborghinis. The McLaren I mentioned, but only like only recently, like the newer McLarens, um, they look cool. But do you know what my number one car is? It's what? It's the uh, the Nissan Skyline from uh, Too Fast, Too Furious. 
I didn't expect Nissan to come up, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Exactly. And I'm telling you now, if any, anyone listening who has seen that film or just knows about cars knows exactly what I'm talking about when I say it's the Nissan Skyline. Brian's Nissan Skyline from Too Fast, Too Furious at the beginning. Mm. It's it's in silver. It's got like blue trimmings with some like blue vinyls wrapped around it. It's got blue neon lights on the bottom and it, oh, oh, it's so good. And it's got the circular lights uh, on the back. Mm. It's the, honestly the best looking car. Do you remember MSN when you were a kid? Uh huh. On MSN, for anyone that never had it, you used to like you'd put your. It was like a chat, uh, like a, an like a, an early version of like WhatsApp. But it was on your computer. Yeah, it was like an instant messaging service. Yeah, and you like put your name on it, so it'd be like, oh, like Ryan McGowan, blah blah blah. And then loads of people could like edit it and change that, and put emojis and shit like that. I was so obsessed with this car. I put like Ryan McGowan onto Nissan Skyline for his first car. That was my name on MSN for a little while. I was obsessed with it. And they I'm, are nice. I'm not, I think not afraid to say it. I know that's such a nerdy thing to say. Like that's what I did, but I I adore it. I think for me an Aston Martin would be the go to. I just think they're so nice. Which one though? Was uh, that? Maybe like a maybe like a DBS, D B nine. What about James Bond? D B five. Yeah, that's the thing. You've got some classic uh, Aston Martins as well, haven't you, that are just stunners mm. absolutely stunner. also i love transformers and um chevrolet bought out a chevrolet bumblebee okay. which is bumblebee yeah yeah. so yeah. i'd probably go for that just for transformers not um not a fan of the muscle car myself they're just i'm not really a fan of it unless it's the the classic ones so like uh the 67 ford mustang for me is my personal like one of the best looking yeah. cars i think it's ever existed i think i think as well a ford gt would have to be on there Probably a GT40. Mm, yeah, it's good. Um, a, a Ferrari F40 as well, probably. Just because they're just so famous, and I just think they're really nice. Uh, but interestingly, like we've been talking about cars, right? Uh, the way it's going now, in the UK, by 2030, you're not allowed to sell any petrol or diesel cars. You can only sell electric cars. Um, which is... Yeah. It's like, it's, in terms of like the motor industry... It's one of the biggest things to happen in its entire history, I would imagine. Uh, uh-huh. And so when you're looking forward, you're like, well, what one are you going to go for? And I'm a sucker for a Tesla. I will not lie. My granddad has a Tesla. I think he's on his second one now. And they are phenomenal. Mm. It's crazy what this car can do. I remember him just sitting there being like, I'm going to let it drive itself. And we were just in a car that was driving itself. That's amazing. It's amazing. Honestly, the future is here, and the script, everything in about it, is just futuristic. If if and it learns as well. If Elon Musk, for whatever reason, listens to this show and wants to donate uh, a Tesla to James because he's never actually owned a car, please send one yeah, over. I'll take a Tesla. <laughs> I'll have one too. I'll have a Model X, please. That's what I'll have. I am curious to see how all these big car manufacturers uh, transfer over to electric. Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting coming up soon. So, yeah, I wonder how Ferrari will do. Uh, I think they're much focus on their racing. To be honest with you, maybe maybe they'll stop selling cars and only do like uh, an electric car once every like couple of years because it's just not cost yeah. effective. Yeah, it, I think a lot of cars aren't cost effective. Like Bugattis, they uh cost more to make than they do. Yeah, uh, Bugattis were made simply to prove that they could be made. Yes, right. And what nice cars they are as well. Mm. If you've got a million quid. Yeah, well, and more now if you want the new Chiron. Yeah, 
I, if I had a million, I wouldn't buy a Bugatti. I, think, I, I don't see the point. I think there's only like six Bugatti Chirons, the brand spanking new ones out. And I know, I'm and sure I know, Cristiano Ronaldo uh, owns yeah, one. I was about to say, Cristiano Ronaldo, I believe, owns one of them. Oh, to be a footballer. So, I hope everyone's enjoyed this episode about Enzo Ferrari and cars. Yeah. We do, I don't think we've ever done a car-related one before, so... We haven't. This is our first. If if you do like cars, let us know. Let us know your top five cars, what you'd get. And if you don't like cars, let us know your top five trains. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, man, that's been brilliant. I, I was so surprised um, by, like, how much uh, Enzo Ferrari has had in his life you mentioned at the beginning like you just assume it's just a, it's just a car guy who's into cars but mm. there's so much more to him in his life yeah the bloke had a life overcame spanish flu got through two world wars contemplated suicide yeah nearly, had a mistress yeah yeah had a, had a mistress nearly got killed by communists oh mate had everything yeah. in this story well excellent thanks for that <laughs> um no worries well i hope everyone uh listening i hope you enjoyed this episode because it's genuinely fucking fascinating um yeah if if you're listening to like any platform that allows for it I'm, I'm for the most part i believe apple podcasts is the only platform so far that we are on that allows for this please rate and review us send us five stars say hello if you fancy it tell me what your favorite car is in that comment if you'd like to uh if you're listening to us on spotify it doesn't rate or review anything but what you can do is then follow us on that and apparently that helps so if you can if you're listening to us on spotify just press the follow button and um, yeah any other platforms you listen to if there's a way to review just send us a little five stars or whatever it is um next week um i've bitten off more than i can chew um next week we're talking about karl marx the father of communism it's going to be a fucking big one, that. It's going to be a, a, a doozy, because I think so many people are misinformed about who Marx actually is. So. Yeah, so I've kind of like, oh, I feel like I've bitten off more than I can chew in this one. I, I, I kind of want to do it justice, and I don't want to miss out anything. So it may even be a two-part, we don't know yet. But I'm currently writing it as we speak. Um, oh, as you're listening to this, I'll be sitting here just crying, learning about philosophy and stuff. It, it's It's insane. Uh, so yes we're going to talk about Karl Marx next week so um, yeah a lot of people might get turned off by that immediately but trust me it it should be okay I hope anyway make sure you join us next week for that Uh, if you would like to donate to the show you can do so you hit our Ko-fi page Uh, there is a link to it in all of our social medias but if you don't have that uh, just type in www.ko-fi.com forward slash that's what people do there you can donate to the show and help support us uh, in our endeavours. And yeah, make sure you follow us on all the socials and whatnot. And that's about it, I think. So yeah, thank you very much for listening to this week's episode. Uh, we've been talking about Enzo Ferrari. And we'll see you on the next one. ta
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.